Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll hear from Amy Vanderheide. Amy is a farmer who calls Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia home. She grew up next door to her grandmother's beef farm and now farms full-time with her husband and in-laws on their poultry and crop farm. Amy and her husband also have a small beef herd on the side, all while raising three sons, ages 5, 6, and 11, who can usually be found tagging along with one of their parents on the farm. But before we get to today's episode, let's go over the review of the week. The review of the week comes from Anna B6 on Apple Podcasts. It is titled Love from the UK. And this five-star rating and review says, I'm a dairy farm consultant and a farm girlfriend slash worker in Wales and wanted to say how much I love your podcast. You've been keeping me company on my runs and while driving to the farm. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind rating and review all the way from the UK. If you too have been enjoying the Rural Women podcast, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. This helps with our rankings in the podcast world, as well as helps more people find the show. And also, you can hear your kind words on an upcoming episode of the Rural Woman podcast. Not necessarily spoken in a UK accent, but my Canadian accent will have to do. And don't forget, we are one week away from the Shop Wild Rose Farmer Big Black Friday sale. Make sure you are signed up for the Wild Rose Farmer community email list so you can be notified as soon as the sale starts, because honestly, I'm kind of excited and I might launch it early and you guys will be the first ones to know. Plus, you'll also be the first ones to see the new design hitting the site on Cyber Monday. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and join the Wild Rose Farmer community today. And without further ado, my friends, let's get to Amy's episode. Good morning, Amy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. No problem. Thank you for having me so early in the morning. Yes, as we were chatting before we hit record, it is an early 7 a.m. here in Alberta and all the way over there in Nova Scotia, it is 10 a.m. So yeah, I've got a few hours started on your day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's all right. It means I haven't had to go outside and do really any work yet this morning. So I am okay with that. <laughs> So Amy, for my listeners who are unfamiliar with who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. As you mentioned, my name is Amy Vanderhyde, and I'm from the Annapolis Valley, Nova Scotia. I grew up here, so I didn't go too far from where I grew up. I grew up on a beef farm, and life takes you places. I didn't go too far, but I ended up on a chicken farm. So different farming life, but that's me. So you grew up on a cattle operation. Tell me what that was like. So I grew up technically one generation removed from the beef farm, but we lived next door. So it was my grandparents' farm. My grandfather actually passed away when I was only a couple of months old. So he wasn't so you know involved in the farm by the time I was old enough to be there. So 
my grandmother and my aunts actually ran the firm because they were still in college and high school where the other siblings had decided not to farm. So they were still close, but not active on the farm. So we were always there. She was our babysitter. So we were always there. We were there before school. We were there after school. So I was in the barn or helping my aunts with fencing and feeding and haying and all that stuff as much as I possibly could be. So I always say I grew up on the farm, even though technically I wasn't, but that's how I relate it. So you were very close anyways. Mm -hmm. Just a few feet down the road, we walked there to the bus and all that. So we can see my grandmother's farm from my front porch where I grew up. So I think it's pretty incredible to note that your grandmother's farm was run essentially by women after the unfortunate passing of your grandfather. Yeah. And that's something that honestly, I took for granted because it never really hit me how rare that was until even the last couple of years, because it was just so normal to me to see them doing everything. And, you know, they were, I don't know, they probably had a 30 cow calf, you know, cow calf farm. So all that work of all the chores, and we kept the cows inside in the winter at that point. So chores were done twice a day. And then all the fencing had to be done and all the hang had to be done And it was done by them. I mean, they had help. They had a a farmhand who would come help with chores because they were in school. My aunt was only 14, uh, my youngest aunt. But she was doing all of this with her sister and whoever was around to pitch in. And then when I took an interest in farming, it was just normal to me to be with other women. So until I actually was more involved with the farm I'm on now and active in the industry, That was when it really opened my eyes to, holy, that's not normal. I didn't grow up normal for farming. Absolutely not. But I think that is very cool. And I think that gave you obviously a great start in agriculture and a different perspective than I'd say the general population has for farming. So kudos to you and all of the amazing women in your farm family. Oh, thank you. I They're definitely huge inspirations to me. And people often say I'm like my grandmother. And I mean, there's no higher honor than that for me. So I'm happy to take that. Oh, I love that. So good. Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for the Rural Woman podcast merchandise, shoutouts on the show, and more. Your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. So you moved to a chicken farm. Tell us about the current farm that you are on and what you guys do there. So right now, it is my husband and my in-laws and myself running the firm. We don't have any employees. It's the four of us. We have probably in total with rented land around 600 acres, which 
Doesn't sound like a lot for Western egg standards, but here in Nova Scotia, our farms obviously are smaller. Our main commodity is poultry. We have a broiler farm. Uh, we have four barns right now, which we grow about half a million kgs every year. And that's our quota. So then we have probably 150 acres of crops. We do soybeans, barley, some oats, and then we have a couple hundred acres in forage because we sell a lot of hay and we obviously need some for our cows, which we only have 13 cows. It's kind of a side project because, you know, farmers aren't busy enough as it is. So you seem to have to have a side job. (laughs) (laughs) So we do all everything ourselves between the four of us. My mother-in-law is the bookkeeper, kind of the day-to-day making sure everything's paid up and we're caught up. And then my father-in-law and husband are the go-to guys. They get everything organized, get everything done. And I fill in when I can, where I can, when the kids are at school or at camp or wherever they happen to be. That sounds like a great team you have going over there. (laughs) It works pretty well. We're able to, you know, now we're, my husband and I have been married for 13 years. So we pretty much know now just by looking at each other, okay, I know what needs to be done. So I'm just going to go do that. (laughs) We don't have to ask anymore what needs to be done on the day-to-day to-do list. That's amazing. I'm still getting there. We've only been married three years, so <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to get to that point. So, <laughs> so you have this chicken farm, and so, like I said to you before we started recording, I haven't had anybody who has been a commercial chicken farmer here on the Rural Woman Podcast yet. So, I'm very interested to know more about it. So, can you tell us? about what the typical life cycle then is for a chicken on your farm. Right. So we get chicks in the day they hatch. They come from the hatchery. Uh, It's all planned out on their end. They know how many producers they have to supply with chicks at any given day. So it's all planned out on their end from, you know, what flock gets bred and when and when those eggs are going to hatch so that they can be at our barn on the right day. And we usually know when they're coming in a few weeks in advance, so we know that the barn has to be at the right temperature and everything has to be ready for them. So they come in on that first day. They're zero days old, really. And they are with us for around 32 days, 36 days. The temperature, the outside environment and all that can sometimes affect their growing and also how old their breeder flock was. There's all kinds of variables, but 32 days is about as long as they're with us. And we grow them to 2.2 kgs, and that's based on our customer demands. So when they get processed at the plant, that's where they go from there is who is providing this information for what size of chicken they want. So we grow them to their specs, and they go out on that around that 32-day mark to be processed. Amy, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are in commercial chicken farming? The term factory farm comes to mind first. It's not such a common phrase here in Canada. It is, but it isn't. So people kind of assume that we're putting way too many chickens in a barn and they're in cages and they're force-fed or they're fed hormones or they're fed antibiotics. And that's not true. They are in a barn, but that is so we can control their environment. And that is, you know, for their health and benefit. 
because they do the commercial poultry chickens are bred to stay in that environment. So if you bought the same chickens and had them outside in your chicken coop in an oat, they wouldn't grow as quickly. They wouldn't survive as well. They just weren't meant to deal with the outside environment. So these guys, they have free range of the entire burn, and we do have limits on how many birds we can have in the burn at once, and that is based on their weight at the time that they reach their target weight. So the barn looks really empty when they're really tiny and then they grow into the space and they still have lots of room to move around and eat and drink and, you know, basically do whatever they want. We use straw as bedding. They like to pick through that because there is sometimes some grain left over or, you know, bugs or whatever. And so they have all of that option. So the factory farm term kind of, rubs me and probably many other commercial farmers the same way because it just kind of shines a negative light on what we're doing and what we're doing is to the best advantage for the bird that we're raising. You talk about the environmental control and I know that you guys have experienced some crazy weather this year including a hurricane so I could only imagine having all of these chickens outside during a hurricane so they were nice and safe tucked in a barn. (laughs) They were nice and safe and we have to watch our controls and such during weather events like that. We have to be aware of power outages because of course the temperature has to stay the same depending on where they are in their life cycle because if we have a major drop in temperature you know, it causes health problems. And of course, the same goes if we have a major hike in the temperature. So making sure our fans are going and our heat is going and the ventilation is going the right way so that they're always healthy, even if we have that power outage. I mean, some people were out for over a week running generators and making sure that, you know, they're all of their livestock, whether they had chickens or cows or whatever, could be properly maintained during that weather event. And the same goes for snowstorms, windstorms, dramatic temperature changes. We're always, always on top of it because it does affect the inside of that barn. It actually kind of sounds like they live like a perfectly sheltered and pampered life. (laughs) They they pretty much do. I mean, (laughs) I'd be pretty happy to feel like I was sitting, you know, it's kind of like it's got humidity in there. When we put birds in, it's about 32 degrees. It's light in there. They have all-you-can-eat food. It's like, you know, a tropical vacation every day of their life. (laughs) That sounds good to me. Sign me up. (laughs) It feels pretty good walking in there in February. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Hey, all We'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. 
So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. So Amy, tell us what your typical day-to-day looks like then on your farm. So my typical day-to-day, I don't know if it's typical every day. (laughs) It changes every day. We have three sons, so they're five, seven, and 11. So my day starts with getting them ready for school and getting them where they need to be and lunch packed and breakfast had and all that fun stuff. And then once they're off for the day, then I can do my chores. And that's sometimes often, you know, throwing a load of laundry in, getting the dishes done before I'm out in the barn because my husband gets up and he does the first morning chores to look after the livestock. That's kind of our trade-off. And then so from there, I usually just check in with him, make sure nothing surprising has popped up. And then we go on with our day, which this time of year, we just finished our soybean harvest. So right now we are doing our winter maintenance, making sure that equipment is greased and taken care of properly. So we don't have to do a whole lot of pre-planting maintenance to it when we pull it out in the spring. And we are still selling some hay and straw. So we still have people coming for that. We load them up and send them on their way. And then there's the chickens. You know, we have birds coming in and going out. We have four barns, so it's almost once a week at this point that one barn or another is going in or we're having chicks come in. So we're also preparing for that or cleaning barns or bedding barns and feeding the cows. They're still outside on on pasture, so they're pretty low maintenance at this time of year. And then the kids come home at 3 o'clock, and then I'm mom again. So it's back to throwing in the laundry or drying the laundry or getting supper ready or heading off to 4-H or we started beavers this year and basketball. So I'm the runner. I'm the general kind of jack of all trades gopher is what I basically am. (laughs) I would just call you superwoman, but (laughs) that that is just my own personal opinion and I'm sure the listeners feel that as well. <laughs> I've heard that before, but you know, it's definitely a compliment. I, you know, I don't feel super in any way. It is, it's my life and it's what I choose to do. But when I am able to step back and think, holy, like that was a crazy day and I survived it, it makes you appreciate what you're capable of. Absolutely. So you mentioned 4 H. Did you do 4 H when you were a kid? I didn't. And I don't know why. My mom did and her sisters did. And she was still involved in 4-H when I was growing up. She used to do a lot of judging and help out where she could whenever they asked. But I guess I did sports. So I think that was kind of the maybe the trade-off is, you know, my mom and dad worked full time. So we had one or two extracurricular activities and I chose sports. So I didn't. And then my oldest son has anxiety and we were finding it really hard to find something that would be a supportive environment for him. He found sports way too overwhelming. He couldn't handle it at all. And we had friends who were involved in 4-H and they said, you know, you should give it a try. He may like it. It's very, it's like a family environment. He may feel supported there. So we started with that and we haven't looked back and he has blossomed through the program 
He has made so many friends and it really is like a family. I trust any of them with my kids and he's really active in volunteering, which makes it easier for me to volunteer myself as well because he wants to be there. So yeah, we're definitely a 4-H family now. We have my middle son joined this year as well. So so it's definitely a program we'll stick with. I find it great for myself as well. I've signed up as a leader and take a lot of roles on because working with youth is really eye-opening and I really enjoy it. And aside from everything it's done for my son, it's also given me me friendships and a way that I can connect with youth as well and help them through their childhood or their, you know, extracurricular activities as well. Well, and I just think it's a great organization. I obviously was not part of 4-H as I did not grow up near or on a farm. But I just think it's a great, like you said, it's a great community of bringing people together and people in agriculture together because there's not a lot of places or times that other people in agriculture are able to come and be in community with one another, like physically in community with one another. So like we have our online communities that we chat with on a daily basis, I'm sure, but being physically in another room with another person in egg that can relate to your lifestyle is a pretty big deal. Oh, exactly. And here our clubs are like, we have 75 members in the club that we're involved with with and over 20 different projects and those range from scrapbooking and bookkeeping computer food preparation and then there's the egg related ones like there's a tractor project and of course all the livestock project goat uh, sheep beef dairy all of that stuff so there's literally something for everyone whether you're involved in agriculture or not it's a great program to look into and it's, you can spot these kids coming a mile away that are going to do well in the project. And, and later in life when they're out looking for jobs, employers know them right away as well, because they learn so much from it, from public speaking and just, you know, being comfortable with themselves. I think they learn a lot of that through a a program like 4-H. Absolutely. I said to my husband that I wish that I could go into 4-H as an adult, (laughs) that it was suggested that I could be a leader. And then I said, well, I would probably learn more from the kids than they would ever learn from me. So, (laughs) Well, you do. And that's kind of the beauty of it, because I did. I mean, when I started with my son, so I technically did start as an adult. And I used their guidance as much as other leaders to figure out what we should be doing within the projects or just within our own 4-H club. So it's really neat to be able to have that back and forth relationship with youth where they are younger and they don't have as much experience, but you still have that relationship with them where you can ask them for advice, but then they can ask you as well or ask for guidance And I I think that's really special with these programs. Hey, have you been over to shop Wild Rose Farmer lately? There are so many new great t-shirts, tank tops, stickers, and more. There's even official Rural Woman podcast gear now, including great t-shirts and hats. Feel good knowing when you're shopping on Shop Wild Rose Farmer, you directly support the Rural Woman podcast. And don't forget, members of the Wild Rose Farmer community save 20% off their first purchase. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for all of the details. And happy shopping, y'all. So speaking of women 
in agriculture and community and all of the good <laughs> things. Back in 2015, you and your friend Katie Cuddy started a Maritime Women in Ag Network. Tell us mm-hmm. more about that and what it's all about. Yeah, so Katie and I attended the Atlantic Farm Women's Conference in, I think it was November that year of 2015. And we both had small children, like babies even. And we went away for the weekend together to this conference. And I don't remember much about who the presenters were even at that conference. We just talked about the people that we met on the way home. Like it was in Halifax, which is about an hour away. So we had that hour drive home to decompress and kind of chat about what we had, you know, picked up on the weekend. And it just came back to where are all these women hiding? Like, why don't we know these women and how can we stay connected with them? Because they're women that are in our shoes where they have young families or they're just married or whatever their circumstance is, or they are on the older side of the generation who have already been in our shoes. So we could be learning from them on how to navigate this. I mean, lots of women in agriculture are still moving into agriculture through marriage or partnerships or, you know, a job opportunity. They had, they didn't necessarily grow up in it. So it was really nice having that conversation with these women on the weekend. So, you know, we, a few weeks went by and we found ourselves still chatting about it and still talking about people we had met. So we just kind of said, well, let's start a Facebook group and we'll invite the people that, you know, friended on the weekend. And that grew exponentially from that moment on. We started with, you know, the 10 or so members that we had and we started posting, you know, if you know any women who may want to chat or stay in touch, you know, add them to the group. And now we're at almost a thousand members. And uh, the bulk of that is from the Maritimes and really Atlantic Canada, because Newfoundland isn't considered a maritime province. It's an Atlantic province. So it is more Atlantic, but we do have members from all across the country and even a few in the States. And I think there's even one from Holland over there now. So, so it has grown and it has been a great resource and we talk about everything. Some days there's no post other days there's asking for advice or where did you buy this? Or has anybody done this? You know, just to random silly things where we just post something fun to kind of get people talking. So it's really grown for Katie and I and kind of started, I know started my kind of leadership role where people put us as kind of leaders for women in ag in the area, which we never intended on, but that happened. And I think we take that role very, I guess it's, I don't really know the word for it. We really appreciate that. And we see other members the same way. So it's kind of a back and forth relationship, but it is very much a community and it's great to have that resource and stay connected because we're tied down by the farm. We're tied down by kids. We're tied down by a million things that make it harder for us to just up and for the weekend to reconnect with somebody. So this gives us that avenue to have these conversations. That's amazing. And for anybody who would be interested in joining your group, what is the name of your group on Facebook? Uh, Facebook group is Maritime Ag Women's Network. And we're also on Instagram. We're a little slower on Instagram, still trying to kind of figure out how to get that rolling more efficiently. But yeah, we're hoping to try some new things with that, maybe have some takeovers 
and just to kind of highlight the amazing things that women in agriculture are doing and also what we're doing in the Maritimes because we are fairly unique over here. So it's great to show off that as well. Being from Alberta, yes, I agree with you that the Maritimes are extremely unique (laughs) compared to (laughs) our lives over here. (laughs) We don't have hurricanes necessarily, so that's a whole other (laughs) ballgame. Yeah, we're very diverse. And because we are like on the Atlantic coast and we're surrounded by water and oceans and our weather is more volatile, but we also have this diverse ability to really grow a lot more crops and do a lot of different things compared to other areas in the country. So it's definitely something that I think we take for granted a little bit by living here ourselves. So it's it's always neat to talk about it and show it off. For sure. So Amy, my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? For me, hands down, it is working with my family for one, having that ability to do so. And like not all farmers are able to do that, I know. But seeing the relationship that my family has with the land and with our livestock and the whole process of growing things is really, really special to me. I love when we're planting or harvesting and I can look over in the tractor and see my husband. And we may not have talked for like 12 hours that day, but we can still see each other. And, uh, and then when our kids are with us, that's really special as well. They're with us as much as, as they possibly can be. They have their limits, obviously, and we don't want to bore them to death. But they have learned at a young age, you know, the cycle, the life cycle, life and death, and how our food gets to our table and why we grow things and how the land works. And seeing that relationship through their eyes is really special to me. And I'm really thankful that we get to experience that ourselves, but also see that through our children's lives, that they know the importance of taking care of our land and the importance of taking care of our livestock and understand the benefit from all that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being on the podcast today. For my listeners who would like to stay in contact with you after the show, where can they find you online? So I'm on Instagram at amy.vanderhyde and Twitter at amy.vanderhyde. And I do have a Facebook page and a kind of a blog that is called Chicken Wings and Cow Pies. So I post a lot there that I post to Instagram, but I do also try to write a blog every now and then about just things that either I'm going through on the farm or things that have happened or just an update on how things are going. So you can find all of that at Chicken Wings and Cow Pies on Facebook. Love it. And I will link to all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you online. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy, for being on the Roll Women podcast today. I really appreciate hearing your story. And I know other women in egg have also appreciated you sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me on to share it. I know it's an early morning for you and (laughs) the time difference can make things difficult, but you know, Thank you for getting yourself out of bed early enough to do it. You're worth it. I know it's a challenge. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.